Watch out. It is a dangerous time when you have experienced spiritual victory that you might forget all the dependence you had on the Lord, all the difficulties, and how the Lord brought it about. Give God all the glory for everything. Welcome to this Friday edition of Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt, pastor of Equipping Bible Church in Greer, South Carolina. Greg, you titled today's message, How to Avoid Defeat After Spiritual Success, Nehemiah's Example. Yes, Dave, and today we're going to continue our look at Nehemiah's incredibly instructive example. So turn with us to Nehemiah chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at verses 15 through 19. Well, thanks, Greg. And as always, if you have to miss a portion of today's broadcast, you can hear this entire program online at etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. Now, let's join Greg for today's message. And then these bad guys, even they recognized, even they recognized that the work had been accomplished with the help of our God. So when you experience spiritual success and prosperity or victory, give God all the glory or you are in trouble. Now let me remind you what had to happen to get this done. This was done in times of distress. A hundred so years earlier, 70 to 100 years earlier, Daniel had been given an answer to his prayer in Daniel chapter 9, verse 25, and the angel said and predicted that the king would make a proclamation to rebuild. And in that passage in 925, it says that this would happen in times of distress. There was distress. We saw the Jews were greatly distressed before Nehemiah came. We saw they faced great obstacles. Nehemiah needed the approval of the king, which would be probably impossible, right? We saw that. Remember, they faced ridicule and despised. Uh, They were aiming to demoralize them and discourage them. We saw they were even being planned to attack, to be killed, to put stop to the work. We saw there was internal sin that threatened the building of the wall. There were attempts to lure Nehemiah chapter 6 into a trap, then outright slander, then wicked hiring of false prophets to scare him, to cause him to sin. This is times of distress. But God did it. And Nehemiah gave God all the glory. He didn't say, wow, I am a really good leader. You know, a lot of stuff I see, and it bothers me a little bit, are about leadership. And they'll use Nehemiah as an example. Yes, there's an example, but Nehemiah is a man who trusted the Lord. If that's what you're talking about, leadership, praise the Lord. Remember those who led you and spoke the word of God, right? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Nehemiah trusted the Lord and imitate their faith. They try to take it all and principalize every little thing he does and make it a leadership book. Nehemiah was a godly man who had God's wisdom, who trusted him and obeyed him and did it by faith. And so then we see here it was done in the midst of difficulty. And Nehemiah could have said, wow, I sure did a good job scouting it out early. Wow, I sure did a good job organizing all these people and how to do this. I sure did a great job. I'm a pretty good guy. You know, God has given me a lot of skills and and I did it for Jesus, right? Well, he doesn't do that. He says, God did it. God gave them the victory. God did it. It was by the hand of their God. 
And so please be on the alert when the Lord gives you that job that you do not say in any way, shape, or form, my strength or my abilities has gotten this for me. Please be on the alert when your prayers are answered and God used you to help someone see their sin rightly and they've changed that. You say, wow, God gave me this and it was me. There's really a lot of me's in there, right? Don't do that. Paul says in Galatians, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Galatians 6. And we know so much so that in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 5 that we are not adequate to consider Anything is coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. And we know what Jesus said in John 15, the day right before the night before he was betrayed here. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So if we trust him, it's him through us, and we have the privilege by his grace. Paul would say, I labored more than the others, but not I, the grace of God in me. God did. Yes, we did. We had the hammer. We preached the sermon, but God did it in us. God did it. We need to be careful not to forget when things become prosperous spiritually. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. And Moses has the Israelites on the plains of Moab ready to enter the land. Deuteronomos, second law. He's reiterating the law again for this generation. The other generation died out in the wilderness because of sin. And he's reiterating this. And he's going to say, basically, you're going to come into a great place that you didn't do anything for, and it's going to be a great blessing. Don't you dare forget God by not obeying him and thinking that somehow you did it, that this is your doing. Deuteronomy 8, verse 11 Beware, lest you forget your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and statutes I'm commanding you today. Lest when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when you're hurt, your flocks multiply, your gold and silver multiply, and all that you have multiplies, then your heart becomes proud, and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, He led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions, thirsty ground where there was no water. Hey, this is pretty difficult building the wall too, right? And he says here, he brought water for you out of the rock of flint in the wilderness. He fed you with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that she might test you to do good to you in the end. Otherwise, you might say in your heart, my power And the strength of my hand made me this wealth. Be on guard when you have success that you think your power, your strength, your abilities, your wisdom, right? But you shall remember the Lord your God. Don't forget. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. You got to remember the Lord. Don't give in to your flesh. We love to be patted on the back. We love to say, great job, Greg, right? I mean, in our flesh, our flesh loves that. Now, we know as believers it's so wrong because when God gets the glory, what a blessing in our hearts it is, right? What a blessing when we know he did it and he gets all the glory. And so watch out. It is a dangerous time when you have experienced spiritual victory that you might forget all the dependence you had on the Lord, all the difficulties and how the Lord brought it about. You find that house the Lord's leading to, you give him all the glory. 
You get that job, the Lord is going to give him all the glory. You have this piano recital and you do well, give him all the glory. Give God all the glory for everything. You see, pride goes before destruction, Proverbs 16.6. So when we experience victory, we must give him all the glory and continue to praise him for what he's done. We need to learn from Nehemiah. And I read this earlier during our offering time, but turn to Isaiah chapter 42. Isaiah 42, verse 8. I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images. By the way, it's just idolatry when we give ourselves the praise. We're becoming idolaters. Don't do it. It says here, Behold, the former things have come to pass. Now I declare new things before they spring forth. I proclaim them to you. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing his praise from the end of the earth. Right? And then down verse 12. Let them give glory to the Lord and declare his praise in the coastlands. Give the glory to the Lord. I remember this little children's video where they had this little Irish guy going up and down with his legs. Ah, give the glory all to God. You know, give God all the glory. Think about everything he's done for you. We should be giving him glory for everything he's done, especially when he has prospered us in his will. So then how can we keep from being spiritually defeated after spiritual success? We need to give all the glory to God. Don't forget him, okay? But secondly, and lastly, as we'll see today, we need to recognize our enemy, Satan, doesn't stop. Now, some of the enemies here seem to have let off. They're dejected and it's kind of over. And you may think, hey, ah, the pressure's off. We need to be on the alert because we have an enemy that will attack us and a good time to attack us in a different manner, different fashion, is when we are basking in the glory that God has brought forth in doing what he has done. We need to be careful, okay? We need to realize the battle may be over, but we will continue to be opposed. And that opposition may come from an area you don't expect. Verse 17, back in Nehemiah chapter 6. And in those days, many letters went from the nobles of Judah to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Arah, and his son, Jehohanan, had married the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah. Moreover, they were speaking about his good deeds in my presence and reporting my words to him. Then Tobiah sent letters to frighten me. Again, it would have been really great to have this chapter end at verse 16, right? Victory, victory, right? But we need to be on the alert. We can bask in praise of God for the victory he brings, right? And we can praise him and glory him, but we need to be on guard. Maybe the pressure's off. There's less work, whatever it might be. It's relieved a little bit. The outright enemies are not attacking, but be on guard. You see... This is an interesting yet disturbing chapter, the end of this portion, I mean. And as I said, I think we all would have wanted it to end before, but we need to see and remember that as long as we're on this earth, as long as we have breath, we'd have an enemy who will oppose us. But praise the Lord, God will soon crush Satan at our feet. Romans chapter 16, verse 20. He's a defeated foe. 
And if we trust the Lord Jesus Christ, if we trust him, the shield of faith, it extinguishes every fiery missile. We trust the Lord. We're in good shape. But when things are good, our trust levels kind of go down at times because we're kind of not in that mode of trusting him like we were when everything was so important to get the task done and there was so much difficulty, right? So there's a danger, right? We need to remember 1 Peter chapter 5, 8. Be sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary the devil prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, but resist him firm in your faith or the faith. Resist him firm, believing what God has said, trusting in what he has said, trusting in him, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are around the world. So then we have this statement back in our passage, verse 17, also in these days. What days is he talking about? He's talking about the days here that he just talked about. They completed the wall. But certainly this stuff was going on before that, but it's still going on. He doesn't share it afterwards. That's there for a reason. Also, in these days, Nehemiah, inspired by the Spirit, shares what God wants us to know, what was also happening in these days. And notice what he says. We have letters going from the nobles of Judah to Tobiah and vice versa. So who are the nobles of Judah? Well, the royal line of Judah is the line in which our Savior would come out of. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's where the king would come out of. That's where the kings were. It's a noble line. These were the noble guys. They were the high up in Judah, okay? And so here we got letters going back and forth from Tobiah and these nobles, right? We got stuff going back and forth. And this other guy here we see is Tobiah. You remember who he is, right? Tobiah was introduced back in chapter 2. He is an Ammonite official. And he is very powerful politically, but he is an Ammonite, apparently. Now, if you'll remember, because of Lot's sin with his daughters, we have the Ammonites and the Moabites, and besides a very few who were redeemed by faith in the Lord, they were continually a thorn in Israel's side. They were Israel's consummate enemies, the Ammonites and Moabites. You can look in Ezekiel in the middle chapters of the 20s and see what their doom is because of their evil and how they rejoiced over Israel's being taken captive. You can see that. They were evil. They were hateful. You can look in Psalm 83 and see that they are those who hate the Lord, and thus they hate Israel. Now, we've seen from the beginning of this book, Tobiah is an enemy of Nehemiah and those who are doing God's work, and thus of God. You might remember back in chapter 2, verse 10, it was very displeasing to Tobiah that someone would come to help the Jews. And that's not a brother in Christ. His heart is very displeased that someone would help the Jews, that someone would come to seek the welfare of the sons of Israel. That was literally a great evil to him. We know in chapter 2, verse 19, that Sanballat with Gershom, they mocked and despised Nehemiah, the Jews, and then Tobiah with them. What is this thing you're doing, rebelling against the king? You see those mockeries and those slight accusations. We know in chapter 4, Tobiah specifically was the guy who was mocking and saying, hey, if a fox just jumped on the wall, it would collapse. You know, look at this terrible workmanship. It's it's not going to be done, right? And that's when they heard it was half the height. And then they conspired together to fight against Jerusalem. He was part of that, too. He's an enemy. 
Chapter 6, verse 1, Nehemiah calls him clearly an enemy. We want to be so gracious. We don't want to say anyone's an enemy. Well, there are enemies to the cross. There are enemies to Christ. And they are our enemies thus, right? Now, personal enemies, we know what to do in Matthew, how we're to respond in that. But Paul prays for protection from those evil one and those who are caught in his snare, right? That God would protect. So then we have enemies here. We have, he's an enemy of the Lord and an enemy of the Lord's people. But wait a second. His name is Yahweh is my God. That's my name. Hi, what's your name? Oh, Yahweh is my God. <laughs> you know, right? He's Yahweh is my God. That's his name, Tobiah. Okay? Yet we see that he's a false brother. He's a false brother. Later on in chapter 13, we're going to see that Elisha, the high priest, did evil for Tobiah, and he granted him a place to stay in the temple. And Nehemiah had to kick him out. Great evil, okay? But Tobiah, as we will see, had yoked himself through marriages with the Jews of Judah. And therefore he had great influence in a family way to lead them astray. And it's a great warning for us. So after this great victory, we have this statement. In those days, many letters went from the nobles of Judah to Tobiah. Tobiah's letters came to them, for many in Judah were bound by oath to him. And later on, verse 19, it says, Then Tobiah sent letters to frighten me. That's the goal. So we're going to see there's family gossip leading to slanderous accusations. Family gossip in the church. Oh, that never happens, does it? Oh, it sure does. We'll see it. We'll see it here in this passage, and we've seen it. So then, Tobiah has infiltrated the Jewish nobles, as we'll see, through sinful marriages. Remember, he's an Ammonite, and they're not supposed to be marrying those in the land. And so look at verse 17. Also in those days, many letters went from the nobles of Judah to Tobiah. Tobiah's letters came to them, for many in Judah were bound by oath to him. Now that's an interesting statement, because he doesn't say the nobles were bound. Those are the high guys in Judah. Now he says many in Judah, the tribe, the area of Judah, right? With the tribe of Judah, were bound by oath. That just means they'd made a verbal agreement. Hey, I'm for you, Tobiah. I'm going to support you. Nehemiah, forget him. No, he's not. I'm, I'm on your side, Tobiah. You know, that's basically what it is. They were bound by oath as we'll see. And notice, even down further, it's not good. Look at verse 19. Moreover, they were speaking about his good deeds, that's Tobiah, in my presence, that's Nehemiah. That's a slap in the face. Your enemy and your the people supposed to be God's people are saying, Tobiah's such a good guy. Hey, look at what he's done. He's done so many good things. And Nehemiah knows he's an enemy. He's a bad guy. Okay, he's a false brother, okay? And it says here, and reported my words to him. Ah, they took his words. Nehemiah said this. He was talking about this. I think he's going to do this. Right, reporting his words to Tobiah. So they were yoked with Tobiah. Therefore, they saw what he was doing as good. They were yoked through marriage. And they saw what he was doing as good. And they were speaking of his good deeds in Nehemiah's presence. What a slap in the face. And so this wretched, evil man, an enemy of God and his people, has infiltrated his people, and they're speaking of his good deeds. And he has undermined 
the spiritual and is undermining the spiritual authority of Nehemiah in the context of the people. And they reported his Nehemiah's words to him. Folks, the Jews had been sucked into the false spirituality of Tobiah through, as we will see, family ties. And thus they were at odds and turning against Nehemiah, who was a righteous leader. This is Satan's tactic. And oh, folks, as I read this, we had a very evil man here did the same thing. We had it happen. We have seen this, who spiritually turned people away, where they would speak of his good deeds and they would give my words to him. We've seen it. We've lived it. This is a tactic of Satan to cause you to fear, to cause you to quit. But praise the Lord, that didn't work, and we are still preaching God's word because God is great and God is awesome. Praise the Lord. So here, back in our passage, verse 18, many of Judah were bound to him by oath. So Tobiah wins over the loyalty of many in Judah, not just the nobles. And so he's won them over by oath. Hey, you're with me, right? Right, yep, yep, we're with you. We're with you, man. That's You're the guy. So why so many? I've alluded to it, but why were so many yielded over and yoked with Tobiah? Look in verse 18. For many in Judah were bound to him by oath and were, and here's the reason, because, here's the reason. It's just here is the reason. They were bound by oath because, okay? Now look at it. He was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Erah, and his son Jehohan had married the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah. Tobiah had married a Jewish girl. Okay, Ammonite official. Married a Jewish girl. Okay, and he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Erech. He's a son-in-law now. Okay, and then it gets worse. His son... Jehohanan married the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah. Now, Meshulam, we saw back in chapter 3, he was working on the wall. He seemed to be a good guy, infiltrating, right? Infiltrating through marriages. We have this high Ammonite official mixed marrying with Jews. Later on, Nehemiah is going to hit this issue right on the head in chapter 13, like Ezra did in the end of Ezra. You can read that. But turn up to Nehemiah 13. Now, this is talking about giving away women, but we got the same thing in reverse with men here, right? Now, given the possibility of him portraying himself to be a God-fearer may have led the way for those unions, but there's a principle even after that that our loyalty to God must be greater than our loyalty to family. Nehemiah 13:23. In those days, I saw that the Jews had married women from Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab, and for their children half spoke the language of Ashdod, and none of them were able to speak the language of Judah, but the language of his own people. So I contended with them and cursed them and struck some of them and pulled their hair and made them swear by God, you shall not give your daughters to their sons, nor take their daughters for your sons or for yourselves. Pretty strong rebuke there, right? If you've just joined us, you've been listening to Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt. You can hear today's message again by visiting our website, etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. CDs of today's message or other messages are available at our website as well. And as a part of the ministry of Equipping the Saints, all our audio resources are available at no cost to you. 
Thanks to the Lord's provision through the faithful support of friends of this broadcast. To order your complimentary CD, call us toll-free 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Greg, we've begun to see in our passage, although temporal spiritual battles may be won, we need to remember we will continue to be opposed and that sometimes these attacks may come from where we do not expect. Yes, indeed, Dave. And this is an interesting yet disturbing end to this chapter. And I think all of us would have loved to have ended at the giving the God the glory part. That's all good. Enemies downcast, dejected. The Lord brought success. But folks, as we've begun to see, after this great victory, we need to be on guard and we need to be aware that opposition might come in a manner in which we do not expect. You see, Nehemiah's outright enemies were defeated, but yet an attack came through people spearheaded by a false brother. Well, it doesn't sound good, but stay with us for our next broadcast as we continue our look at Nehemiah chapter 6. As we close today's broadcast, it's our prayer that the Word of God has done its work in your life and that you've been challenged and encouraged to follow Christ more closely. If you're receiving spiritual benefit from equipping the saints, would you prayerfully consider sending a gift today? Every gift makes a difference. No gift is too small, and every dollar is put right back into the ministry. To send a gift to Equipping the Saints, call us toll-free at 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to donate online, our web address is etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. Well, we hope you'll make plans to join us again next time, right here for another edition of Equipping the Saints. Yeah.